We are up to the fourth chapter. And even if people are jumping in right now, the fourth chapter is uh, is guiding us in the application of betochen, in the application, in the context. I'm going to use words that many people are familiar with. I'm going to change those words to words that that are used in a, in, a, in a more narrower of a community. People use the word hishtadlus, right? Bitochen versus hishtadlus. I will purposefully not use that expression. It's beautiful. Hishtadlus means effort. We already mentioned many times that in as much as it's God's world, and it is God's world, there are areas in which we have to make do our part. Doing our part, again, the world calls it hishtadlus, I would say that in the Chabad community, we call it making a keli. And first of all, I'm biased. Moida, I think that we got it right. It's the same, but it's a little bit different. And let me just explain to you that I'm choosing going forward the word making a keli. Rabbeinu Bachaya doesn't use the word ishtadlus. So these are not his words to begin with. Ishtadlus means an effort. And whenever an effort has to be made, the word itself doesn't explain exactly how much power do you have with your effort. The word keli is not focusing on your effort part. The word keli is focusing on exactly what do you need to do at times. At times, God will do it all, as we'll see. At times, I have to make the keli. Making a keli means making a channel or making a receptacle. I love that word because, like we gave an example of a spigot, you got to make a spigot. When you put a spigot into the barrel and out of the barrel flows out, I don't know, coffee, mashke, some healthy mix, whatever, whatever it is that is the source of living waters, your spigot is not the waters. You have to make the spigot because if not, you won't have access to those waters. But when you make the spigot, all you made was the channel. All you made was the channel, like we gave the great example when it comes to working on Shabbos. That once we accept that the waters are provided exclusively by Hashem, even in the areas where we have to make a spigot, you will never add to the waters. So when a person says, I have six spigots, but I, let me work on Shabbos because I'm having a hard time supporting my family, which is, which is something that you have to address, adding a seventh spigot never adds any of the water. So making a keli doesn't only speak about, I have to do something at times, but making a keli also allows us to remember that all we are making is a keli. But here's the question. When do I have to make a keli? When should I not make a keli? This is a very important question to address. And Rabbeinu Bahaya actually uses radical words, which are true, which we know to be true. He says that our areas in our lives in which not making the keli is misusing bitachen. Bitachen could be mamish used to the detriment of the person and it, it's a little bit technical and not to get too technical some people get lost when you get technical and there is a very broad bigger picture here so I'm gonna at least skip for those of us who are using the the white book the Shara Bitochen from Kahas um, we're going to page 112 because he, he begins to divide our lives into different categories and he makes categories and then subcategories and then sub subcategories some people love it 
some people get lost. And when they get lost, they tune out. So at least after making the sub and the sub-subs, it's crazy, branches, he now categorizes all of our endeavors, all of our lives into seven different types of categories. That's on page 112. We will read a little bit from the insight. So he writes, I'll read it in the English. In total, there are seven categories of matters for which a person relies on the Creator. In other words, in all of the categories, we have to rely on the Creator. Question is, when is relying the Creator the end of it all? And when am I obligated to make a keli? And if I don't make a keli and I say, well, I have bitachin, I'm abusing the word bitachin. It's not what God wants from me. And it's, it isn't a black and white answer. So he goes into all, he, has to, he breaks it down. So let's go into the seven categories of life as he defines them. Number one, matters that pertain solely to the person, him or herself. He'll give examples in a moment. Category number two, matters that pertain to the person's wealth, which includes the means of one's earning a livelihood. Earning a livelihood is definitely given a lot of, a lot of attention by the Rabbeinu Bahaya. You can argue, you know, you have to know who your primary audience is. I think people that are younger, and we are all, we are all young, you wouldn't know, but when people get older, mitamol, it's about health. Even if they're suffering financially, they just want to live. And of course, the same thing applies to health. In other words, what effort, how much of an effort do I have to make to take care of my health? Same question. I believe that everything is, uh, it's God's world. And the number of my, my life is God's. Even if a person, God forbid, passes away young, and even if they passed away young, and you know they had a very unhealthy lifestyle, and a doctor can explain to you that this person, because of X, Y, and Z, their arteries got clogged up or whatever, that person was determined to live that long. So the big question will be, well, if that's the case, what's the point of making the effort? That's about making the keli. So that's category number two. It's about me, but it's about my wealth. It's about my livelihood. Number three, we are broadening the net. We are making the net broader. Matters that pertain to one's family members. And that and, and extended from there to one's friends. And same, extended from there. The same no, that's category number three. I know, friends. He, he puts, I'm reading his words, wife, children, family members, friends and enemies are all in the same category. Thank God. If not, there would be no limit. I'm saying seven. It gets complicated. It's a little bit of a, a complication, but you have to chop what he's saying. Number four, obligations. Now we're going, we're, now we're speaking about the mission that I have as a Jew to be in service of God by fulfilling his mitzvahs. So obligations of the heart. These mitzvahs that are about how I feel, how I think. And mitzvahs that I perform with my body that don't involve anyone else. He'll give examples for everything. Like when you, uh, for a man, like putting putting on tefillin, it's a person between me and God. Giving tzedakah is not me and God. Giving tzedakah is me and God and another person. Number five, the mitzvahs that we perform bodily, but they benefit or harm other people. Number six, all matters that are connected to the reward that we will be given in the world to come, which is commensurate with the efforts that we make. And number seven, matters of my life that will affect the reward in the world to come, but they're not commensurate. Not commensurate, you see, it gets complicated. Not, not commensurate equal. means... Not equal. not equal. That God, because of God's kindness, in most cases, will give a person a lot more than what they deserve. 
But even there, if I did a little bit, God will reciprocate a thousandfold. So it's not commensurate, but it's a reaction towards that which I did. Or oh. the reverse, something hideously negative for something small? That he doesn't write. We love not speaking about that. We dealt with that in the previous chapter. That that these are the questions of faith that we're going to get sidetracked in. So just because of coming back, the, the chapter four is specific. It's a technical chapter, but it's so good because everyone's question is bitachin and bitachin, and it's God's world and rely on God and God knows you and God is only doing what's good for you and God is going to be good to you even if you don't deserve it. Okay, where is my part? In what areas must I partner? In what areas should I not? And I'm sure there are some areas where it's somewhere in between, where I can say by making a little bit of an effort, I made my keli. Now, whatever, it's up to God. How do you define that? So he's giving you a very uh, specific, okay, what are we talking about? So everything that he will address will be connected to one of these seven. It doesn't hurt reviewing it, but it's very technical. Let's keep on reading a little bit, and then I want to share a bigger idea, which is extremely important, not to lose the bigger idea as we go through these details. So on, on page 113, and I say, this is Rabbeinu Baha'i is speaking, regarding the first category, matters that pertain solely to the person himself or herself. In other words, he, he is going to include in that, um, that which I do which will affect my life or death that which I will do now he's moving on to the second category that will determine um, my livelihood my clothing my shelter my health my illness that I have to look after to make sure that I can I can function properly that I'm, I'm, I mean the Rabbeinu Bahaya writes regarding each of these matters anything that's connected to my body Anything that's connected to my livelihood, anything that's connected to my health, have remember, this is a big part of life. Regarding each of these matters, the proper manner in which a person is to rely on God is to give himself over regarding all of these matters to the predetermined ways in which the Creator has decided to conduct himself with him. Don't hold your breath. You have to first give it fully over to God. And the person should rely on God, blessed be he. And recognize that none of these matters come into being unless it has been predetermined by God as for what is proper for the person. And everything that was predetermined was not a punishment. None of this is a punishment. It's always for your ultimate good. And at the same time, a person should realize that God conducts himself equally regarding all these matters so that no other being's advice or behavior can help him unless it is with God's permission and according to his decree and judgment. Just as a person understands that no being has power over his life and death, no other, no other person has any power over one's illness and health, so too no being has control over his livelihood his other needs, his clothing, and any other matter that pertains to one's body. In other words, we begin with the full acceptance, which can take a person a lifetime, that this is fully in the hands of God, and they are predetermined, and no one has any power over it. However, 
Now comes the however. However, together with one's emuna in the above, that all his matters are completely under the jurisdiction and the decrees of the Creator. Number two, everything that the Creator chooses for him is the best choice. Together with this, the person is obligated to make efforts to pursue the means that will benefit him or her and to choose those means that will appear to the person to be the best that's available for them. God will do what God decreed. And God is commanding me to make my keili in all of the above, anything that pertains to my body, to my life or death, to my health, to my livelihood, to my clothing, I'm mechuyiv to make a keili. Take a job. A person, a person has basic needs. One of our basic needs, when we speak about shelter, I think included in shelter is clothing. It's a basic human need. And it was predetermined whether I will be living my life in a beautiful shelter or not. In a safer shelter or not. And therefore, since it's predetermined, here's the trick. The trick is, is that, why should I even make an effort? Because God commanded me to make the effort in the way that I that I see that this way, this keili is the best for the needs that I have. I'm obligated to do so. I want to say the following. I think if people who get this will get the neshama of what we're speaking. If you were to look at the behavior of a Jew that has betachen, and accepting that God commanded me regarding anything like we mentioned that is affecting my body, my life and death, my health, my shelter, my clothing, my livelihood, that I'm obligated to make my effort. If you look at that person's behavior and you look at a person that doesn't have so much bitachin or if a person who says they don't even believe in a God. Therefore, if I'm going to work, I'm going to eat. If I'm not going to work, I'm going to be hungry. Would you see a difference in behavior? I'm asking a question. You say yes? Yeah. And I would argue strongly no. Well, why? I, I think that's what he's trying. You know, the moment I'm accepting that the same God who already predetermined, the same God who is my best everything, and upon whom I really rely, is commanding me that I'm obligated, I'm to make an effort in all of the items that are pertaining to category number one and to category number two. I'm obligated to do so. If I have to do my work, I'll be a working man because God commanded me to do so. I will be a working man. I don't think that people that have betachen in the healthy way based on what he would write will be people that work less or spend less time dealing with the health. I don't think so. I don't think this is going to express itself externally. I think everything that we're learning is, as the name of the book, it's how you feel about it. I think it's a real inner huge difference. It's the day and night, innerly. In other words, am I going to work because if because I have to make it happen? Or am I going to work because God commanded me to go to work? No, 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 you understood. I think I'm saying I'm just challenging. 
I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I, 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 I used to think like you. I'm just coming to a different conclusion. People that have betochen, I think what has to happen, based on what these words is, they have to worry less, not work less. If betochen leads you to working less, then you're wrong. You didn't get it right. The question is, why am I working? Why am I working? I think the why is an inner question. Why you work? To take care of ourselves, isn't it? Support the family, I'm working because God commanded me to go to work to support my family. And, 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 and one second. And I know that God will make sure that I can support my family. And on the other hand, if for whatever reason, God found it fit that at this moment in life, my family, Chas V'Shalom, has to undergo challenge. If this is what God determined already, all of my work is in vain. There's a very big difference in, in me doing something with the... With the, with the presumption that my action will affect the results or if I go to work and I know the results are there already I'm only doing it because God told me to do it it's a different mindset it's it's a it's a life-changing mindset it's just very difficult to get to let me give you a great example in the negative a negative example this was a experiment that was made in one of the big universities here in America, I didn't prepare, I, I forgot the name of it, it's a very famous uh, research. And the point of that research was connected to the Nazis after the war that were claiming that they were following orders. So a study was made to understand how do people function when it comes to following orders. So this was the experiment. Everything that I'm saying now was a shekel. The whole thing was just a show, it was a facade that they had a person who was asked to participate in this experiment. They would come into a room and there would be someone that looked like a big doctor, someone who knew what they were doing. And you, if you volunteered, you would be speaking without seeing the person who you're talking to. And you would be asking them questions. And the system is, is that if they give the wrong response, if they would give the wrong response, you would press a button and you were told that it would give them an electric shock. Shock them. And they were telling the people that it's very important for you to keep on doing the experiment. It's important for the experiment for you to keep on going. Now the catch was is that if the other person on the other end who you're not seeing, if they got it wrong the second time, the shock hurt a bit more. The experiment was to see, even when people are being told that it's very important for this experiment for you to keep on going, would people stop when they would be hearing the shoutings of the guy that you don't even see next door? And shockingly, just shockingly, what happened was is that you're asking questions, the other guy gets it wrong, you press the button, you go, ow! And then the next time that you're heard, uh, ow! And then the third time, the guy says, oh, I can't take it anymore! Now, you don't see anything. As far as you know, when you're pressing the button, your pressing of the button is causing someone to be shocked, electric shocked. And someone there was just telling you it's very important for this, for you to keep on going. That's all they told you, they keep on repeating that. At the 70 some percent of people went until the other person stopped making noise, which means as far as they were concerned, they died, they killed them. You know, it's people do follow orders. My point of all this is just to point out is that what was really happening? They thought that when they pressed the button, they thought that their pressing of the button is that which is causing the effect. 
Then they were notified at the end of this experiment, don't feel guilty. They were told, don't feel guilty because you killed no one, you shocked no one, you hurt no one. By the way, they should feel very guilty because there were two sins that were done over here. One is, is that they affected in the other pain. That they didn't. But they are guilty as far as they were concerned, they were making the wrong choice. Just because a person who looked like to be a person of authority was encouraging them to keep on going, we have to be independent people who have to determine, is this the right thing or the wrong thing to do? That, no mechila, just because they ended up finding out that they hurt no one has nothing to do with the wrong choice that they made. I want to just use that experiment. There's a name to that. Just demonstrating empirical science that people indeed follow orders even if they are not ethical. We have this craziness in us. And it takes a certain people that are, should know about it, that we, we have that weakness to have the backbone, to develop the backbone. Prior to making a choice, the whole world can be saying, do A. If we feel that A is hurting, A is wrong, don't do A. By the way, Jews were given a gift from Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was, was that type of persona. The whole world was on one side, couldn't care. That's the beauty, by the way, of dressing like a Yid. Because it, devel- it develops this, uh, most, of, most, most people, they just want to blend in. I just want to be like with everyone else. You go to a place and it's hot and you wear a hat and a jacket and a yarmulke or whatever you're wearing to say, that, just that is beautiful because it gives uh, young people the courage. I don't have to fit in. Everyone can do this. I can do different. And if everyone is making an ethical or moral mistake, I already have more uh, experience. My muscle of... I'm going to decide on my own what the right thing is to do is already uh, partially developed. I'm still very vulnerable. We're very vulnerable by this one thing of fitting in. But I want to come back just to just using this muscle as a whole different way of understanding Parnas. When we are going to work, we're mamish like the people pressing the button. Even though when you press the button, it sounds like your pressing of the button is that which brought about, not the ow, the blessing, the paycheck. No, that's not what's happening. God wants to know whether you're going to do what He wants. You know what God wants? So people say, God wants me to keep the 613 commandments. Yes, God wants me to take care of one and two for me. That I should make sure that my life is safe, that I don't do things that are dangerous. That's what God commanded me to do. That I make an effort to make a parnosa, that I make an effort to go take care of my, uh, my clothing, my shelter, my food. I'm obligated to do it. However, I, I have to remember that when I do work, whether the work gave results or not, those results were predetermined. The area of my Kaylee is, am I going to make the choice to wake up and go to work or will I not? And as we all know, many people make the choice to go to work and they go to work and they're amazing. And it's difficult to understand why that person is not a billionaire. And you look at people that have no seichel, have no anything, and they barely work. You have these people, and then 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 they're doing amazing. Because the results in everything that we mentioned, in other words, we believe that my life and my health, all of that is predetermined. Who knows people in my generation, people used to smoke. I went through the generation where that's changed. Today we're living tragically in the generation that people are going from non-smoking to smoking wheat. That's a new craziness. But I remember weaning off, when I went to yeshiva, everyone smoked. And it was a very difficult thing. People are addicted. Many people that I know smoked until they were 90. Mamish. They were doing everything wrong. Or maybe in other examples, some people, they don't eat healthy. They know they're not eating healthy. 
They don't have heart issues. They don't have brain issues. They don't have anything. And you have people that we know that mamish agavaldeik and they do exercise and they eat and this. Why? Because God commanded me to do everything according to my knowledge of what's healthy to be healthy. To go to work to make a living. But I have to know that when my pressing of the button, the ow, it has nothing to do with me. And I would therefore argue that people with bitachin, if bitachin leads them to working less, they're not doing the right thing. Bitachin has to lead us to worrying less. That's the difference. It's an inner thing. What is my relationship with my work? It's a mitzvah. And not the cause of my livelihood, because there's only one cause of my life, and that's God. Take care of your safety. Same thing. God commanded me to take care of my safety. However, that has to manifest in a billion different ways. Now, if a person is driving 120 miles an hour, and they're not taking care of their safety, God wants them to live. Nothing will happen. If a person is driving very safe, and God forbid, God forbid, they'll get a knock, and they'll get hurt. I'm saying... In other words, the, what, happens, what happens in the world is fully, exclusively determined by God. But God commanded me that I am responsible for certain choices. Those are the choices in the mitzvahs. Anytime a mitzvah comes in front of me, I'm obligated to choose to do the mitzvah. And broadening it, and these point number one and number two, anything that pertains to my persona, anything that pertains to my wealth and my health, etc., I'm chayev to do whatever I understand to be the steps needed to make sure that I'm promoting my life, that I'm promoting my health, that I'm promoting my livelihood. I'm doing it because it's a mitzvah. And I'm not doing it to get results. Because the results will come no matter what. I'm not doing it for the results. I'll use another, just an idea that came to me. Mitzvahs are meant to connect a person to God. That's the ideal and that's the way it has to be. I can tell you in my world, 90% of my friends, 90% of the mitzvahs does not give them that feeling. We wish, we hope, maybe once in a moon, epis, it puts on feeling, you feel connected to God. No. But I'm doing what God told me. In other words, even when the results, I know, don't appear to be coming, it's irrelevant. I'm not doing it for the results. I'm doing it because I got to do it. It's a whole different way of thinking. God created me. There are certain things that I need to do. Not for the results. Beautiful. It's a, it's a life. I'm doing the right thing for the right thing. And I believe that the results are predetermined. And I even believe that if I won't make the efforts, so I'm failing in that area, I can get the same results. A person can be unhealthy and they can, they can have an unhealthy lifestyle and be healthy. A person can have a healthy lifestyle and be unhealthy. A person can live longer. A person can live short. It's in the hands of God, but God commanded me when it comes to health, you gotta, you gotta live a healthy life. So we're mechuyev. Not because this will guarantee my health. No, that's because I'm fulfilling God's commandment of watching over myself. I'm obligated to make a keli. It's a way of thinking, and the, if, if you want to find a tangible result, I'm telling you, it's only in Menuchas HaSanefesh, going back to that. Because if I feel that the outcome is really up to me, I'll go out of my mind. In a way that I'll, 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 there's no end. I'll work harder. The moment the results are up to God, they were never up to me. I'll feel, mamish, I did my part. You people feel that I did my part. 
He's not measuring how many hours a day you have to work. He's not giving you that measurement over here. The Rambam gives that. The Rambam says he's speaking to men that work 12 hours, that, that were, he writes, for the 12 hours that you work, nine hours learn and three hours work. I don't know what universe he lived. The Rambam didn't practice that. The Rambam was a doctor. He barely had time to learn. He learned the whole night. The Rambam lived in a reality where if a person were to work three hours a day, they would have enough for what they need by the laws of nature. That's another whole topic. To live a life of moderation. But the, the Rabbeinu Bachai is not going into that. He's just completely separating your effort and the results. Which is great. Our efforts and the results are not connected. The results are God's to determine. And my efforts are only mine to determine. And the whole Yiddishkeit is I'm obligated to make the choice. And I know that my choice will or will not have any bearing on, on the reality. It's God's world and I have freedom just to choose. That answers that big question. The freedom that I have is to choose never to determine an outcome. Never. Our choices never determine the outcome. God determines the outcome. Our freedom is only in choice. How's that? A little depressing. L- let me hear. Speak it out. <laughs> Why is that depressing? Zog, zog. Because it's very difficult to surrender to that way of thinking. Because you want to work harder so that you can provide for your family. I don't know if working less you could put three kids through Jewish day school, live in Los Angeles, you know. By the laws of nature, how much work does one need to do or how much schooling do you need to have in order to be able to do it? Whatever whatever that answer is, that's what you're obligated to do. Now, whether your your work will, will give fruit, give little fruits or phenomenal fruits is only up to God. That's what he's saying. But I, I would back you up. He's not... I, I just want to make this statement. If I'm wrong, I stand corrected. I really think that whether a person has bitachin or not should not should not have any outer demonstration of people with bitachin will work less I don't think so they'll have a different kavana when they're working now one second if people are working beyond the norm that means they are workaholics if it's unhealthy that's not bitachin related that's not healthy if a person by the laws of nature is living in a city that they don't even have a keli by the laws of nature that can allow them to provide and put three kids, then they should move to another city. Whether you have bitachin or not, it doesn't change that. But on the other hand, if a person is living here and they say, listen, based on my circumstances, I'm not the, the doctor, I'm not the lawyer. Maybe I'll become one, not right now. But right now, if I do this work, I'm going to earn, in the best case scenario, $100,000 a year. If I'm the breadwinner, I cannot put my kids through school. If I'm going to do that business, I might earn zero, but I might earn a half a million dollars a year. Again, independent of bitachin, do that. If, you, if you're going to stay here, no, it's work within the, the, the reasonable. But when you're going to work, so that's what we're speaking about. Is it that I'm going to work and I'm going to make it? Or God is going to make it. God obligated me to do work. I'm doing work because it's a mitzvah. It's a different one. I'm going to work because it's a mitzvah. I think it makes things much easier when you think that way. You know, that it's God's in charge of everything. So that means you kind of just 
hand it over to God. I mean, you do what you can. You're obligated, but it's a mitzvah. I, say, I would emphasize, together goes, I have to be makabal the mitzvah. Let's be real frum here. People are frum, they're not going to touch that food. Be frum, go work. There's no, I'm going to tell you this, from a not deep, Rabbeinu Bachai, there's no greater Kiddush Hashem than to see a religious working man that's successful. My father always said that. That's that you see. That's what God wanted. From he gets up in the morning, he learns and he davens, and then he goes to work. If he's matzliach, which is up to God, it's the biggest kiddush That's what God wants. Yeah. We we see that you have pride. There's a pride. There's a pride. Some people got it from the parents. Some people will get it from the pride of going to work. Go work. But I'm going to work because God commanded me to go work. I'm a chuyiv. Same thing with health. Same thing. The biggest Kiddush Hashem, when you see a from a person today, at least by 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 the men's side of the mechitza that are healthy, Kiddush Hashem, because uh, I get it. There's so many commandments. There's there's so little that is permitted. So the one area that today here there's so much excess is kosher food. People say, listen, what am I going to do? Every time you speak to a Jew about going out, what do they do? I'm going to eat, because you know, you're not going to go to the movies. You're not going to go to this. You're going to go eat. How much is how much eating is healthy? Some of it is healthy. Some of it is poison. You know. When you see a person, oh, I'm going to take care of my health. It's a mitzvah. They say, it's a mitzvah. God told me that. Whether I'm going to end up having to go to a doctor or not, that's up to God. But I'm, do, I'm doing the mitzvah of Vushmartim It's beautiful. And those yeshiva that you abide says, I'm looking for somebody, just go sit down all the way in yeshiva, and I would go ahead and provide the food and work hard. I, I would I would make this very good just for those who so the question is what about people who who have an understanding with their spouses that one spouse is going to go to work and the other spouse will do something that the other person will say if you're going to do that I'm fine to be the breadwinner if that's what she wants if that's what she wants and it's fair that uh, is it fair and it's not fair, it's not fair. No, I don't think okay. it's fair okay. um, but. Uh, if it's not being forced on a person, I would say that I we all know people, the reality that come from such a society, and in many cases, at a certain point, if they have a half-decent relationship, the, the wife can tell the husband, I, I can't, I wanted to, I can't, I have eight kids, I, I can't do it anymore. If she says that, then he has to go to work. If she says, I'm willing I'm willing to sacrifice, and she's willing to sacrifice. I mean, there are, every case is a case. You have the story for Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva, um, and he, he didn't leave pitzling children, but she consented. She was okay with that. If that's an exceptional case or if that should be the norm, that's a different topic. It's not for me to determine that. I know that, well, let me speak about in Lubavitch, the Rebbe felt it important for the for people as a general rule in the first year of marriage. Not the year, exact. More when you get married for, for, for the man to sit in Koil. Not that she should go to work. I just know that we don't date that much. We date three times, five times. You really don't know each other. That's the reality in the world that I come from. And when a person gets married and they're not told you have to go to work tomorrow morning and they have a year of going to Koilo, which means not that the guys learn that there'll be a lot of free time in a society where the parents will be supportive of their children. It's great for the relationship. Let me word it that way. When it's for a year. 
than you have from every thousand people. You have one person that's a tremendous potential to be a great scholar. That's what the world needs. And for, to become that level of scholar, you have to take a learn for 50 years. But again, if it's not coerced, I think anything that's in consent, these are not lazy people. These are not people that are sleeping through the day. Chas shalom. These are people that are, uh, I mean, theoretically, they're going, they're learning the whole day. If the she is okay, same thing in reverse. What happens if, uh, and going anyway. If a guy is the breadwinner, and the, the woman says, uh, I want to study. Let's say that by the laws of nature, they can't have kids. And still, she's, I want to go learn. If, if he, if fine, gesund to hate, if he agrees to that. Traditionally, the man in the Torah is the breadwinner. That's the traditional, based on Pesukim and the Torah, the man has to go out there, the man is the warrior. Okay, that's a, a bigger topic, not connected over here. I think this is just a good marshal to walk away with this experiment. Where you're doing things and it looks like your pressing of the button is having an effect, and it's not. And that's the big hop. Our pressing of the button is not causing the ow or the oi or great. No, no, God is doing that. But God is commanding you press the button. But God's experiment is beautiful. Not the hurting. Press the button in a good way. Press all the right buttons. And if I don't do so, even if I'm wealthy, I fail this mitzvah. I'm obligated to go to work. Etc. I'm obligated to take care of my health. All right. All right, we'll stop over here. Mrs. Fish, but now we'll have Mama Shabbat to sing about. And uh, to be continued. To be continued. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. This is medicine. This is these ideas. For me. Because 